In his song, Happy, Pharrell Williams proclaims, happiness is the truth. On Tribute to Happiness, we speak with guests who are putting this truth into practice, sharing their stories about what happens when happiness becomes a genuine focus. Tribute to Happiness is brought to you by Iceland's Chief Happiness Officer, Heather Svein Bjornsson. Hello and good morning. This is Iceland's Chief Happiness Officer. One does not get appointed as a nation's Chief Happiness Officer. It's a choice. It's a choice about how I want to serve my country and community, about addressing something critical that's missing in society. Listening and gratitude are things that are missing, especially in our work lives. Add those two things and positivity and productivity take off. Leave them out and work becomes routine, performance mediocre. Let's explore some new ideas and thinking about happiness at work. Let's also look at happiness at home and happiness in life. Hello, this is Nathan Paruja calling from Malta. No, I hope that I'm calling you, isn't it? Oh. But hello, Nathan. Yes, you were supposed yeah. to say that. <laughs> so, hello, Nathan. Next How- time- Next time, don't ask me in Icelandic. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, from hello from one islander to another, we are. That's right. You're living on an island. I'm living on an island, but you are most definitely the winner in as it comes to sun and the heat and stuff. So, how how is how is the situation in Malta right now? Uh, weather-wise, we're we're always quite lucky. Yeah. Um, it's sort of 360 days of sun every year, which is which is nice, especially if you like the outdoors, like me. Um, otherwise, you know, the country is obviously recovering from uh, our second wave, uh, but there seems to be positivity. Um, people are looking forward to going back to restaurants and uh, getting on a, a plane and, and traveling and going to see, you know, family overseas uh, or, or take a break. So there's a seems to be a, a positive vibe. Yeah. So people are ready to to move on from the pandemic. Yeah, lots of words around Zoom fatigue and, you know, this sort of uh, being stuck at home and, and not being able to out, go out and socialize. We still have a limit of the amount of people we can meet uh, at any given time. So that's restricting social gatherings. But we have a target date for uh, May when we will be able to start together in, in sort of small groups rather than just two or three people. It Don't you think it will be weird to, because as they say, it takes 21 21 day to to create a new habit so mm. and now we are just like meeting only two or three so when we are going to be in a, a group of 10 or 20 or 50 or like in your case you have to have a lecture or a keynote speaking <laughs> somewhere you're just like are we allowed to be so many at the place <laughs> it will feel weird well I would never be more than two or three people anyway, because I'm, although I'm a keynote speaker, I'm actually an introvert. So I prefer to have small groups of close friends. So you uh, are having your time, you are having the time of your life. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Although I'm not making any money. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, because I'm an extrovert and I love hug, I love to hug people, but it's now it's just like, it feels weird when, you meet people and and they say, "Well, I have I have had both jabs, so I'm just like, uh, are we allowed to hug?" Or and, and you're just like, "It's it's weird." 
and and I was I was telling my friends because I have been a waiter in a restaurant and I and the, my first job again was last Saturday as we are recording this on a Thursday and I, it was just amazing to just meet people and talk about something else than the pandemic and just talk about food and and wine and and stuff so it was it was really great so it's fun yeah I, uh, yeah I think you know people are people want to want to move on they want to move forwards. We're resilient. Uh, human beings are yeah. quite a resilient species, but I think everybody has a limit. Yeah. <laughs> but before you, we go on to our topic today, but because you mentioned that in Malta there are 360 sun days or sunny days. Like we here in Iceland, it's Thursday the 22nd of April and we are celebrating the first day of summer. <laughs> it's a weird thing. Like we up north. I think we are a little bit crazy, but somehow this got to be a tradition so, uh, and i remember well, i remember the days when it was snowing on the first day of summer and we were in a parade and stuff so and they took pictures hey first day of people celebrating first day of summer and it was like <laughs> a weird snow snowy thing <laughs> well <laughs> but you have to celebrate celebrate the small things so any excuse any excuse to celebrate so we are I invited you on this podcast, Tribute to Happiness, because I saw you here in Reykjavík as a keynote speaker on, on a uh, leader's day. And I thought it would be interesting to talk to you because you had some interesting things to say back then. It's almost, when was it? Two or three years ago? Um, two years ago, yeah. Yeah. So if we start with just can you... Give a give the listeners a little bit about who Nathan is, the Maltese, Malteser, Maltese. What, what Maltese. You, Malteser, Malteser is the chocolate. Yeah, I know. So yeah, yeah. Okay. When I said it, I was just like, okay, no. Now I offend. <laughs> you must hear it a lot. <laughs> Sorry. So who is Nathan, and and what is what is uh, Nathan's story in? Do you have a short version, or do you have to take? 15 minutes. I have, a, I, have a short, I have a short version and that's, uh, you know, actually I, I'm just a curious person that, that is always interested in exploring um, and that led me up to many different paths in my life, uh, both in adventure and sports, um, but also work, uh, also philanthropy and family life. So that's sort of my... My ikigai, my reason to get out of bed in the morning is is this sort of sense of curiosity of what's going to happen next. Well, curiosity, is it in life, like you are saying that you're introvert. How is it to be curious when you're introvert? If you don't, like, if you are satisfied just meeting two or three people, are you just then getting the curiosity satisfied with reading books or? Well, I, I am a prolific bibliophile. I do read a lot of books, um, but actually most of the curiosity is in my head. It's trying to figure things out. Okay. You know, uh, for example, can can I, with not necessarily the the, the physical gifts of being an ultra marathon runner, um, complete twenty seven marathons in twenty seven days in each of the EU states? That was an idea that was brewing in my head, and I said, "Let's go and see if it can be done." And did you do it? And that is, yes, uh, in two thousand and ten, we raised. Uh, lot of money for charity and again it was this um question in my head and trying to find an answer to it 
And this has led me up to many, many different adventures. And do you know where does this come from? Is it what did your parents say when you were like, okay, I'm going to run 27 marathon in 27 days? <laughs> If they were alive, I say. Like, have you always been like this, curious and and uh, and just maybe <laughs> acting on it? Well, <clears throat> yes. I, well, I think more than curious. Initially, it was more hard headedness, or that's how it would seem. Um, to people who who knew me as a child, because I typically would always challenge what I was being told to do oh. or told I couldn't do. Uh -huh. And so that curiosity about breaking rules was something that probably is the sort of baseline for for my curiosity. And I was as a as a child, I was very sick. So I was told by doctors that I couldn't do sports, I couldn't play games, I couldn't spend time, you know, in in in, in dirty or dusty environments. And um, so that always caused me to think of a way around that. Yeah. And so therefore, even in my working life, typically I end up in positions where I am problem solving because uh, people tell me I can't do something and then it's about how, how I'm gonna figure out how to like get, get around it. So, so yeah, that's, I think the, the curiosity is, is, is an outcome of me being hard headed and not taking a no for an answer. Oh, I love this. Two islanders with the same background because I was always like, I was so curious that I, my parents said, why are you so curious? I don't know. I just and then you know, rebel against the authorities. It was like, no. Why do you have to do this like this? Why can't we do it like this? And <laughs> so, I knew there was something interesting. I knew we had something in common: the curiosity. <laughs> and where has the curios curiosity led you? Like how? Uh, what? What is it with, like human behavior? Or you have been exploring. Like you have yes. been, you have been asking yourself, why do we do the things we do, and and in the corporate world as well, haven't you? Absolutely, and that's led me to essentially setting up a business around being a business coach, yeah. where I work with leaders and CEOs like yourself to help them figure out, you know, why they do the way the things they do and why they behave the, that way. Because once we have self awareness and we understand what drives us, then we can take control of it and we can shape our future and. Uh, design our own path rather than just simply follow someone else's. But now, how long have you been doing this business coaching? About seven years. But I, having said that, all my life, even as a CEO of uh, organizations, I always had a, sort of a, a coaching style in my leadership. So yeah. I would say, of, officially as a title, not that long, but but in my style of leadership, very much a, a coaching approach. How do you experience the times now? As okay, the pandemic has shown us a lot about leadership because we had to go, we had to work from home, and and leaders were maybe shaking a little bit because they couldn't have the control or they couldn't have. There was something, there was something in the air. But in your time as a leader and and as a business coach, have you, how have how can you tell us a little bit? Ten, tell us a little bit about if there has been some involvement or or how the leadership have has evolved through the maybe last 20 10 five years can, have you can you see some changes yes absolutely i think leadership also reflects the personality or characteristics of an individual and their own upbringing and 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 the way that they see the world so It is very subjective, but I think market forces have also forced uh, leadership to change as well. So I think it's it's more of a, a sense of self-awareness of self to know that actually 
it's it's much better to be a leader with empathy than a leader dictator. So this is something that has come from our self-awareness, interest in personal development over the years, uh, the creation of the, the, the executive coach as a, as a role. Um, but the market forces also of talent retention. You know, people don't want to be told what to do and be ordered around. So therefore they leave organizations that have that leadership style. So as a result, if you do want to retain your people and you don't want to attract the best talent, you can't use that leadership style, it won't work. So we've shifted from a, a transactional leadership style to one that is more transformational, which really looks at uh, individuals as, as people. Um, it looks at uh, things like triple bottom line or CSR. It looks at inspiring more than telling. And and essentially, sometimes, you know, the, the leader is the servant and the leader is the cheerleader uh, and leads from the back. Yeah. And that's that's also something that is quite well, relatively new in, in sort of leadership theory. So in, in, in terms of like when we are talking about happiness at work, if we believe, as I believe in, that it's the results and relationships and empowering the employee to do stuff, as you are saying now, that the leaders are cheerleaders, uh, and 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 trying to bring up the best in in the employee. Has have you seen the changes, or are the leaders reluctant? Like empathy is not something that you are. Either you have it or you don't have it. Can you can you develop empathy? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but you have to want to. So it's a choice. Yeah. You can develop it. You can develop it as a as a skill, but it needs a lot of practice and, and self-awareness. So you need to be, you need to have a growth mindset. If you decide that, uh, no, I, you can't learn it, then you definitely won't. Yeah. Uh, but if you decide you can learn it, then you probably will. So it's, uh, you know, it's really about your, 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 your attitude. Um, you know, I, th- I think also, you know, everything around us in the way that the world is changing and what we value is, is, is changing as well, you know, Today, if you if you don't have a, a CSR policy in your business, um, you know you, you're you're not going to get customers yeah. because the customers are looking for these things in business. So it's it's a transformation that's happening on every level, and also I think you know most leaders or many leaders are are parents and they see how their kids are now being educated. We look at millennials and their life choices. They they don't want to be. Uh, stuck in a nine to five, sitting behind a desk, they they want to explore. They want to enjoy life. They want to be, you know, this YOLO type of uh, mindset. Um, yeah. And so we need to accommodate as leaders and and people running organizations. We we need to accommodate to this. Yeah. So so the saying, you work to live and not live for work. That is like the new thing uh, for people for the for the youngsters, for the younger people. Um, I I think I think we've gone even beyond that. Okay. To the point that that isn't work versus life anymore. It's life. Yeah. Work is just a part of that. And and if I choose, if I really enjoy my work, which actually I do, I'm very happy to sit at work for twelve hours a day. Yeah. Because I am doing it because I, I I want to and I enjoy it and I get satisfaction out of it. Yeah. Um. And if I don't like my work, typically what happens is you try and find a way to change, or move. Now, not everybody is lucky enough to do that, but but. Job mobility is obviously much much greater than it used to be yeah. because people are not not tolerating uh, a negative experience um, that's affecting their their life. And as the pandemic has shown, you can work wherever you are if you have a computer and and uh, internet connection. 
So how, yeah, absolutely. It depends yeah. on your your job, I suppose. You know, yeah. if if you are if you are in, in sort of you know yeah. white collar jobs, then then yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's more difficult if you have uh, if there's a physical requirement. If you're working on a building, a construction site, you know. I mean, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that is like you, that's always the, the, where are you in what field of uh, field are you in? But how how is it for you? Must be because you're a sport. You are in sports and you are interested in sport. How did the news about, for example, the leadership of the soccer world or a football world uh, with the uh, Europe League or Super League or whatever they called it, how did, how can you, like for us, for me, I was enraged because they were taking something that everybody loves and turning it into, it's so blatantly obvious that this now it's it's not about the football. It's it's about the market. It's not about the money. How do you, as a business coach, don't you love examples like that? And how, okay, I will say it. I find it ridiculous what they are doing. <laughs> so what what is your thoughts about like the, how they handled it? Because the owners were just like, they were so off. They were so wrong. They read the people and because I thought my first thought was also, wait a minute, are the footballers, are those who are playing on the pitch, are they like slaves or what are they? What are they to the owners of the teams? Well, and there's many levels of, you know, detail that you can look into. I think, you know, at the top level here, there's clearly a uh, an example of groupthink. You know, one person maybe was a, a forceful character that put the idea and everybody agreed and everybody's sort of got stuck in this mindset that this is a good idea. Yeah. Um, perhaps even the quieter ones who thought it wasn't a good idea followed suit just to be part of this uh, this this movement. And this is something that happens on a regular basis in political parties and religions where people follow because they feel they want to be part of the group rather than because they actually believe it. So I think an element of groupthink happened there, um, which disassociates them from reality. And the minute it became public, obviously that that reality check came came in like a crushing ball. As a um, hurricane in their face. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, it goes back to this point about trust. Yeah, if I don't trust people enough to ask their opinion, to involve the players in a decision like this, um, to involve, uh, you know, other players in this, not just football players, but you know, sponsors and and community leaders, uh, without consultation, then obviously you're going to be um, at the risk or at the mercy of of creating a, a huge wave of negativity. I mean, the cynical approach, the cynical mind in me would would say, football is always about business. It's always been about business. Um, people buy football clubs today, not because. They may be passionate about football. They buy them because they're going to sell shirts and they're going to. It's going to give them some sort of kudos. Yeah. So there's no difference in the way that the Premier League works and the Super League would work from a, a money perspective. Um, maybe the dynamics are different, but the principles behind people buying football clubs to me is very similar. Nothing's really changed. Um, so there is a false sense of you know community, I guess, from the fans. That sort of the the, the national league is is any different to the Super League. Um, I think what the Super League did is showed it more blatantly, obviously, that money was the main uh, motivator. Yeah. But do you sense <clears throat> do you sense a shift in the businesses about because the change from when Milton Friedman wasn't it Milton Friedman who said like the shareholders they should get 
the 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 value back and do you think that we are on a verge of changing that uh, thinking that when you start to think about employees in a sense of empathy and you have to to watch out for them and and take care of them or show them uh, whatever respect or like that they are human beings uh, are we shifting is there a shift in in the making in the the business world um you know there is a shift clearly one needs to see the motivation behind the shift are we treating our employees better because we're afraid they will leave and then we will lose shareholder value or are we treating them better because we believe that that's the best thing to do yeah are we investing in our employees skill set because we want to compete with our competitors and outskill them or because we believe that people have potential and we want to nurture that potential and get them to grow yeah so essentially it's a very subjective answer it really depends on the leader in charge and the organizational culture they create i think for me the balance is really that a business generates value essentially that's what it is now if that value transcends to money for the shareholders good if it transcends to personal development or skills development for an employee that increases their potential and makes them feel fulfilled good if it's the customers that get a better service good you know so it has to be multifaceted we can't just say i know our business is there just to make profit it doesn't work no yeah because when you think about profit when is enough enough how 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 much profit do you have to recreate every year because that is like because you think about the gazillioners like Bob Jesus from Amazon how much money do they need they will never <laughs> like they can't spend it <laughs> because okay I'm living in Iceland so it's <laughs> it's a far <laughs> far away that is a galaxy far far away <laughs> last time I was in Iceland I needed to be Jeff Bezos to buy a pizza yes <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> Yeah, and that was commercials. No, yeah, but how how much is it? Is it greed or is it something else? Like, is it because as you as we were telling, talking about, you are a, a competitive type, like twenty seven marathons in twenty seven days. Like you, that is your aim, and you just focus and you go. So, so when is it? When is enough enough? Well. It, for me, it starts with, it, it's not about the result or the outcome. It's about the intention. Okay. So, you know, the example of, you know, me doing ultramarathons and running across the Sahara Desert and doing all these crazy things, that was more to to answer questions about what's humanly possible rather than to say I'm the best or I beat someone else or whatever. Um, so, and again, I think if you if you talk about entrepreneurs that have been successful, often it's not necessarily because they want to, be the best on Forbes rich list or or things like that. It's because they want to to prove a point about themselves and what they can achieve. And and you know most top performers, whether they are super athletes or or business people or uh, or idealists, you know them sort of Gandhi's, Martin Luther King's, Nelson Mandela's. They have a, a, a vision and they want to get to it. Mm. And they and they for they they will be. You might not describe Gandhi as competitive, but the principles the traits are the same being dogged being determined not taking no for an answer keep pushing when there are doors closed you you get through the window you know these are the traits of of people that 
end up being successful or, or burnt out, but you know, hopefully successful because those are the ones we read about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so these are these are traits of people that you know want to be successful, not necessarily because they want to make more money, but because they want to achieve a vision. And I would hope that you know the, the, the leaders you mentioned are, are people that had a vision and w- wanted to achieve it and worked hard to achieve it. Yeah. But how when you were here in Iceland you talked about the like you you colorized the the people like you have the green ones and blue ones and yellow ones and red ones can you because sometimes when when we are making a team in the corporate world it's fascinating to see that maybe you have five, a team of 5 and four of them are just like dreamers and not, like they think and think and think and think and, and then you have one like who is down to earth and it's just like no chance in hell that that person will succeed in anything in that kind of group can you t- can you explain a little bit about how you how we could get better at to because i i saw it as an empowering of everybody that if you have if you take time to see really how what kind of person are you can you go through that a little bit for me? Yes, what, what you're referring to is, is is referring to Jung's sort of color profile. Um, there are many of these profiling tools that you can use, you know, Myers-Briggs and DISC and all these PRISM. Um, but essentially, I like Jung's because it's it's so simple to, to use and simple to understand. And really, essentially, what it says is that we are essentially all different. However, we can be grouped according to our personality traits. Now, there's a question of whether these are things we're born with or whether they come with our growing up and our education. But uh, in the example, you've got reds that are sort of more fiery, you know, they'll be more go-getters, they're challengers, they want to lead from the front. Um, You know, and these people typically tend to gravitate towards leadership roles um, or or are maybe more adventurous. And then you've got the, the blues who are typically more meticulous and organized and disciplined and then you've got your greens which are much more emotionally intelligent and good listeners and want to connect with people and you've got your yellows that are the life of the party that you know want to cheer everybody up and you know and make sure that the mood is great and and people are motivated and the best teams are the ones that combine all those characteristics because there are times when you are down that you need your yellows to pick you up there are times when we're swimming upstream and you need your reds to charge from the front and drag everybody with them uh, you know, there are times when we are uh, upset or emotional, and we need the greens to be there as empaths to 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 create a space for us to feel to feel safe. You know, and and obviously, if you're running an organization, you need to be organized. You need your blues uh, to be there to make sure that everything happens and works, and and, and the results are achieved and the business processes are followed. So, uh, you know, essentially, for for me, a, a great leader is one that builds a team that contains a bit of everything and empowers them to be themselves, not tries to mold everybody to be a copy of themselves, uh, but actually celebrates their diversity. Yeah. Hallelujah was the first word that came to mind. (laughs) 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 But but how is it that that leaders, when you present this model to them, or you talk about it, and and everybody says, yes, yes, that's right, that's right. And uh, immediately I started to think about uh, like the, the European countries where you could place the blue ones to a specific, I will not name names, but uh, I'm thinking about some country. Uh, like, you can do leaders or companies invest in such a thing as to see where people are at so they know 
or is it just do they find it waste of money waste of time or like do they see the light well yes i mean the fact the fact that i was you know in iceland working with 500 people talking about this stuff means that uh, you know the city of Reykjavik and the leadership there understand that this is something that can be useful and and does add value and most of my clients um, perceive it in the same way I think also the good leaders are doing it anyway. They're just not necessarily putting people in sort of colored boxes. They're just saying, well, I need the diversity on my team. And that could be just the way that people think that's different. You know, CEOs may may turn to one person to be who is more creative and turn to someone else when they've got a you know, mathematical problem or a puzzle to solve. Mm. And essentially they're doing the same thing. They're looking at the individual as someone who has a strength that is going to add value to the business. And therefore they're tapping into it. And therefore, the happiness at work will grow because it's Absolutely. empowering. It is. If we think about you know what we like doing, we like doing things that we enjoy doing and things typically that we're good at. Yeah. If I if I don't like accounts, you know, I'm not really going to enjoy doing my end of month, you know, P and L. So I'm probably not going to do a very good job of it, and, and I'm going to be dreading it from three days before. Yeah. I'm going to keep procrastinating it. Uh, until I eventually give up and either do it or pay someone to do it. And so I would rather spend my time doing things I'm good at and I enjoy. And that's the point. Happiness comes from a sense of fulfillment or enjoyment of being in the moment. Um, I don't even think it's about the results. I don't think the enjoyment, I mean, there is a there is a happiness around finishing something or accomplishing something, you know, to use the the, the analogy of the marathon, you know, people are happy when they've finished the, the, the marathon, they cross the finish line. Uh, the last 10 kilometers may have been painful and upsetting. Um, and and your mind is self-incriminating, saying, what the hell am I doing? And I'm never <laughs> going to do this again. Uh, and, and then and then you cross the finish line and you're all smiles and punching the air because there's this feeling of accomplishment. But but happiness isn't that. That's That for me is a celebration. Happiness is actually the enjoyment of running or the enjoyment of being in the outdoors or the enjoyment of testing your limits um and uh the dopamine and it's when situational it, when the dopamine flows through your body because it was a success or like it's something you did it was good a good job yeah yeah but i i prefer serotonin no sense, serotonin you know, the, i mean uh, serotonin sorry i always no, mix but, yeah like they're both things like there are both good things but uh, there's sometimes my english uh, my brain melts because it's very interesting what you're saying and when you said the last 10 kilometers and you did this for 27 days in a row (laughs) (laughs) so the last last uh marathon of those 27 they must have been hell for you or did you just wake up and ooh, it's another day in marathon land um, it's it's the first 10 kilometers when you've just run 26 that are more, more painful. <laughs> oh, I'm just tired of thinking about marathon like right now. So yeah, now we have been through this. Uh, it's very interesting. But happiness at home for you. What, like, be, uh, and okay, I know that you are a sports type so that, and you have said a lot of things. So I, I guess that you are an outdoor person. You love to be an outdoor, but how how is happiness at home? And and if we just take its happiness in life in general, how how do you how what does Nathan do to be to have his happiness in life and happiness at home and happiness mm. at work? 
there's 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 two main things. One is is to be happy with yourself. Um, if I'm happy with myself, if I'm in a good place, if I'm not feeling guilty because I haven't lived up to my own expectations, or if I feel healthy and mentally fit, um, I'm going to be a better person to be around, and therefore the people around me will mirror that, and typically I will have a better environment. So it's not selfish to think of yourself, because if you are your best self, then you are of service to others at your best, and the people around you will tend to mirror that as well. So that's the first part. Work on yourself to be as happy as you deserve to be. The second part is is not to expect happiness or positivity from others, um, but to help nurture it and support it. To to be compassionate. Um, I, I you know if my wife is having a bad day, I, I can't take it against her because she's upsetting me by her upsetness. I just need to accept the fact that she's having a bad day and I need to support her until that ends and, and she's back to her usual self of being positive. And, and this is really what creates a, a long-standing, um, happy space. And it's the same with my kids. You know, they're, they're teenagers. They have ups and downs, um, good days and bad days. And I can't force them to be happy. I can try and create space which is nurturing and I can help them you know, achieve their dreams, but they have to take responsibility for it. It's not my responsibility to make them happy. It's it's my responsibility to support them so that they can be happy. Yeah, um, they, they, it's a bit of a strange way to look at it, but that's that's my philosophy idea. No, but it, isn't it like you have to choose your own destiny? Like you have to choose how you feel that day. It's just like gratitude. If you open your eyes and, and you say, "Oh," then you have laid out maybe the whole day and it it will suck instead of if you wake up and say oh the birds are singing it's just like how how do you wake up and how do you decide how the day will go there's nobody saying that you have to be smiling all day because you you can like walk into a door or something and hurt yourself <laughs> it's legit to have bad like you have you are not supposed to have smile on your face all day yeah well, no, I suppose you can. You're the Dalai Lama and you're sort of very centered. Um, the the yeah. point I'm trying to make here is that we, we, we can choose to be happy. We should choose to be happy because the things around us are inevitably, like you said, going to make us unhappy. Situations around us, things that happen to us or happen in our environment or simply watching the news yeah. uh, is depressing. So, um, you know, everything out there can bring our moods down. It's up to us to allow that stuff into our head or not. Yeah. And whilst I don't propose that, you know, you lock yourself in your own mind and live in your own world, um, you are conscious of what's going on around you. It doesn't mean that you allow the negativity in. But how is it? Because you mentioned the self-care and there's like you have to be, maybe you have to look inwards. Do on your travels, because, okay, I'm an islander, you're an islander, this self-care, do people allow themselves to take good care of themselves? Because often we think more about the people or what the people extra from the outside think and how we can help them, but then we don't help ourselves. Can you see yeah. that in people? 
Yes, and like you said, it's very cultural. So you know, our Western culture is typically more self uh, self propagating. You know, we try and make ourselves better and try and gain more and achieve more. It's it's very much about independence, independent thinking. Whereas if you look at the Eastern um, part of the globe, it's more community based. It's the enhancement of society um, that brings collective happiness rather yeah. than happiness because you've achieved or you're successful which is the stuff that we preach perhaps in our culture um and that doesn't mean that one is better than the other it's just it's just what what culture you're brought up in that shapes the way that you think what's interesting to see however is that there's a lot of assimilation across both the western mentality moving towards places like china that is opening up uh, as well as over the last you know 20 30 years um, the, the the Eastern uh, approach, uh, whether it's you know the Buddhist approach or the Hindu approach or or the sort of mindfulness stuff, uh, is really taking center stage in in Western organizations and Western cultural um, you know businesses and, and and the way we do things, and and that's great because there isn't a one size that fits all. We need to be able to look around us and find the things that work and assimilate those, irrespective of where they come from exactly and now on when because we are on the subject like and burnout is on the uprise people are feeling themselves just burnt out because there are so much pressure and there's so much things to do and that is probably a western like thing um i don't know i i hear many stories about you know japanese workers working 15 hours a day not having meaningful relationships and getting burnt out quite quickly yet their uh, society is, is is communal and it's uh, respectful and and yet you know people are driven to push beyond what is physically possible and mentally possible and end up burnt out i i don't i think you know western culture uh paints a bleaker picture of it or tends to talk about it more whereas in other cultures perhaps that's a bit suppressed you know it's a bit like mental health now we're starting to talk about it much more openly before if you said you you were seeing a psychologist it meant that you have a mental illness that you're psychotic whereas today everyone is a therapist yeah Uh, so you know this is this is change over time as we realize that uh, asking for help isn't a bad thing yeah right and you need some happiness in your life yeah, you deserve So, this has been a great chat and I I have enjoyed it because you are uh, like you know your stuff. I'm still getting over the marathon thing, but that is my problem because <laughs> I couldn't run for my life. I think I will just lay down and like <laughs> there's something about running. Give me a football or a handball and I I can but running that's just on another planet. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but you're you're absolutely right, and and uh, it's true because my previous life I was a semi-professional basketball player, so I, I hated running. Running was punishment when you had a bad game. The oh yeah, you yeah. Run. Now I remember <laughs> you had your background is in basketball. It was not running. Now I remember. <laughs> but it has been fantastic chatting with you, and I hope people will uh, enjoy this. But I have this uh, thing in my podcast that you have to say. I have a challenge, and and you have to okay. say an Icelandic word. Uh, okay. And it's it not rude? the it's it's not it's not <laughs> it's not it's not the mountain from 2010 like the volcano, but it's the new volcano. 
So can you say Fagradalsfjall? Fagradalsfjall. Excellent. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> uh, almost like yeah, but you you Sorry. did it. You... you did not with your tongue rolling out and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I could have found maybe a diff- more difficult word, but you're lucky. It was nice. But Nathan, thank you very much for uh, talking to me. And I hope that your summer and the life in Malta will turn around and you will go out and have some fun, as like you do. I know you do. But with more thank people than, than more with more people than three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed. Hopefully, a bit more. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's it's been really, really great, and you make me smile. So that's that's always going to be, you know, a positive outcome of any conversation. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you for this chat. This has been the Tribute to Happiness podcast. Tune in for next week's episode. You'll find us on social media.